All right. Welcome back to episode five of the Practice Player Podcast. I'm here with David, Dan, Justin. All right. And um, yeah, we're here with Justin Webster, UNLV guard. And uh, before we get started, I guess just uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little about your journey. Uh, yeah. So grew up in um, Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, uh, my father played in, uh, in the NBA uh, overseas. Um, you know, so grew up, always grew up around basketball, you know, was always around it at, at a very young age, you know, um, growing up, I actually lived in Japan for a year cause he was playing out there. Um, so pretty much, you know, coming out the womb, it was always, you know, a ball in my hand and, um, you know, a lot of credit to uh, my, my dad for that. Um, like there was no other sport that I felt like I wanted to play growing up. Basketball was pretty much the only one I wanted to play. And, um, you know, he, he did a very good job of uh, molding me into that. You know, um, he comes from a a military background, um, you know, everything is strict, you know, done a certain way, um, you know, striving for perfection. So, um, you know, he really ingrained that in me. And, um, you know, I just try to go out there and do that every day. Um, for those for those that don't know, my dad um, played at Oklahoma. Um, he's the uh, third third leading scorer behind um, Wayman Tisdale and uh, Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill actually passed him, um, you know, his senior year when he was there. So, um you know, I just came around, you know, my dad will always tell you, like, he just, you know, I came around a, a, a bucket getter. And so, you know, growing up, growing up, that's pretty much like, you know, all I tried to do um, was just try to get buckets. I mean, that's pretty much what he what he taught. And so, you know, growing up around him um, it was hard. You know, I didn't get it at some points, especially growing up, growing up, you know, at the uh, early stages. But, um, you know, now being a, a senior in college. You know, you start to see, you know, all the things that he was getting on to me about pay off now. So, um, you know, just a credit to him for everything he's done for me, a credit to my mom as well. You know, she's always been there. Um, I'm a mama's boy at heart. Um, you know, she always tells me um, if you can uh, if you can uh, think about it before you do it, you can kind of you can accomplish anything. And so, um, you know, I try to take that with me every day of my life. And, um, you know, I just credit my parents for um, all the success I've had. Just get buckets, man. I love it. <laughs> so uh, to segue into our first question here, I got to ask, you spent your first two years playing college ball in Hawaii. And I'm, to a lot of people, that's probably like, oh, my gosh, getting a play in Hawaii. So sort of walk the viewers few, through what that experience was like. Um, well, first of all, um, my first two years, it was COVID. So, um, um, I mean, early, early on in my freshman year, it wasn't no COVID. You know, pretty much got to live the college lifestyle, got to see what it was like. Um, but, you know, coming back uh, my sophomore year, it was COVID. Um, it was very hard. Um, you couldn't really do anything but go to the gym and go to your room. Um, but the atmosphere, um, atmosphere there is, is second to none, you know. Um, the people out there are so nice, um, so family-oriented, and that's pretty much the reason why I went there. Um, you know, um, even though, you know, I'm a player, they treated me like I was, you know, one of theirs, like, like I was family. Um, pretty much everywhere you go on the island, people treat you like family, and it's just something great to be around. And so I really enjoyed my time being out there, you know, my time with my teammates, my time with, um, you know, Coach Gennai and all the coaches there. And um, I think it really prepared me for, um, you know, the jump that I had to UNLV. Oh, that's awesome. Sounds like you definitely had a blast. And uh, the second sure. part I had for that question, uh, however you're best able to answer this, what prompted your decision to transfer from Hawaii to UNLV? Um, well, really, it was just, you know, um, I had my sophomore year with my best year. 
Um, I averaged about, you know, 14 points a game. Um, you know, was playing really well. I got sick late late in the season and kind of um, kind of could just not find my groove um, the rest of the season on. But, um, you know, it was just – I just felt like it was better for um, – it was time for a, a bigger opportunity. You know, I strived myself on challenges. And I felt like, you know, the challenge going to Hawaii was um, – just basically showing people that I could play college basketball. You know, I wasn't highly recruited coming out of uh, high school. And so, um, you know, I just went to Hawaii with that, you know, a chip on my shoulder. Like, I just want to show people that I belong here. Like, I belong at the Division One level. So, um, once I felt like I completed that challenge, um, I felt like it was time for a new one. And then, um, you know, that's eventually what helped me uh, get to UNLV. All right, uh, Justin, I have a question for you. Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to been to a couple practices and 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 follow you guys. I mean, I follow you know the basketball my whole life, but especially this year with with Coach Kruger having a great year this year. Um, sure. I want to talk about you as a player, though. From what I've seen, you're an unbelievable vocal leader. Um, you, a lot of the guys like you. You have a handshake with every one of the guys. I noticed that. Um, but you always have a smile. You're always like an upbeat player. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, being that way and being that positive, influential player, does that help your game? Like, like, does that almost make you feel like you can play better basketball and, and, and not only with the team, but yourself? For sure. You know, um, you know, this life is so short. Um, I have a song, I actually have a sign outside my door. You know, I, I see it every morning before I walk out. It says, uh, be happy always, you know, no matter what's going on in life, you know, no matter what's going on, you know, be happy. So I try to carry that on to the basketball court um, and, and, and everything I do. So um, I feel like it definitely helps. You know, I'm out there, I'm smiling. You know, I'm trying to get the guys going. I'm happy. I'm joking around. I'm joking around with the coaches. You know, just trying to be up, be trying to do everything I can to, you know, just you know, get the get the practice, get the uh, get the day started off on the right foot. So, um, you know, um, credit my mom. She always gets me like little quotes and stuff like that to put outside my, you know, put outside my room and um, stuff to just leave me with. So, um, you know, be happy always is something I live by. And then, and kind of, kind of adding to that. Um, your role this season has has fluctuated a lot. You've started some games. You've come off the bench some games. You may have an increased minutes in this game, just kind of depending on who's uh, been healthy for you guys. So I have, I have a big question for you. How do you stay mentally prepared for maybe one game, you, you know, you're starting and you're going to be one of the leading scorers that night or you anticipate to be one of the leading scorers, but then maybe there's another night where you have a lot of guys healthy and you're just kind of contribute your role. You're going to shoot threes. You're going to defend. Like, how do you kind of balance that? You know, some nights you have to have a bigger role than other nights. Um, I think it just it's all about staying ready, you know, being positive, you know, um, you know, with this game, you know, each game, your role may change, you know, there might be a game where, um, you know, they might need to, they might need me to score a little bit more, you know, um, Elijah's having a, um, a hard game or Keyshawn's having a hard game, Lou, you know, Lou's having a hard game and they need somebody else to, you know, give them like a spark plug. And so, um, my mentality is just always stay ready, you know, um, just always being there for my teammates. You know, whenever they need me most, when if they need me to defend the best player, if they need me to knock down the biggest shot in the game, I'm always going to do it. So it's just all about staying positive and just staying ready. And um, you know, that's just a credit. I'll say it again to my to my dad. You know, he's been there, he's done that. He knows what it's like to have different roles on different teams. And so, you know, um, whatever my role may be going into a certain game, I just try to do it to the best of my ability. And uh, is it, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna go on to that. I I gotta ask. There definitely had to have been a lot of uh, one-on-ones between you and your pops. Uh, can you get his number now, or does he still beat you in the ones? No, what's crazy is, so my dad, so the last time I played my dad in one-on-one, 
I might have been in like the second or third grade. I was really young. Um, since then, he he doesn't really play me anymore because I think at a young age he got the fact of like, because my really my dad didn't start playing basketball till he was in the in the eighth grade, and then he became a McDonald's All American and and all that. But at a young age, I was able to try to figure out you know what he was able to do. So I think once he seen that, he didn't want to play me anymore. He beat me, <laughs> and so he can just you know he can have the last laugh. So he so I actually haven't been able to play him, but. Um, He's actually been getting in shape, you know, and so I, I've been telling him like, "Yo, you know, go have to put your sneakers on one time. We just we just play. We can just play a game to three, But he's not really trying to because he was like, he's not trying to, you know, tear anything, you know, mess with me. But um, <laughs> hopefully one of these days I can. Well, hopefully one of these days I can talk talk him into playing me, and then uh, eventually beat him. So <laughs> that's awesome. I wanted to. It's not really a question. Well, actually, yeah. Like, walk me through the. Uh... The tech fleece addiction, the the sneakers, the drip, everything. You, I mean, I swear, guys, for the viewers listening, Webb has a new tech suit on every day he walks into the gym, and uh, it's just like let it let like cool off. Um, I mean, really, 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 and truly, I didn't even really like wearing sweats like that until um, I'll never forget. Um, my mom bought me my first tech fleece. I think it was like, I can't remember if it was black or, or black or green. And I wore it. And I remember everybody telling me like, yo, that tech fleece is fire, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, like, really? Like, I had like I had no clue. Like, this is like the style. So then, um, you know, as I started to, you know, get more into social media and get more into the aspect of like, um, you know, what's trending and, and what's not, I've seen a lot of people, you know, wearing tech fleeces. So, my whole goal was, um, at a, like this was this might have been like my freshman year of high school. My whole goal was I was like, okay, so this is the style. Okay, I'm gonna try to get every color in. So then I just started getting, you know, bright like everything: black, purple, green, blue, whatever color I could find. <laughs> I was always trying to get it. And at, and at that time, it was like it was pretty cheap. It was like seventy five dollars for, um, the bottom and the top. So I'm like, cool. And then now they like, a hundred and twenty five for both. So I'm just like, so I'm so it, that that's really where it comes from. My mom was the one that really introduced me to wearing all these tech pieces. And then with the shoes, you know, um, you know, my dad being a basketball player, him um, having an EYBL team, him still having a Nike contract. That's pretty much where it all comes from. You know, um, you know, sometimes, you no, know, at, at a young age, I always ask for shoes. But now that I've gotten older, I try to not ask for, you know, a lot. But um, he still finds his way to get me a whole bunch of shoes. And so. I have, I have quite a lot. Like I have some shoes over here that's like not even half of my closet back home. So it's it's, it's a lot, and it's it's some shoes in there that people have never seen before that I probably will never take out. So, <laughs> well, so. with with nil with nil, if anyone's looking to do a tech fleece deal, you know who to call. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would definitely, yeah. I would definitely rock it. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, like. Onto the shoes. What's your favorite? What's your favorite hoop shoe of all time? Favorite hoop shoe? Yep. They got to be Kobe's. I I love I love the Kobe's. Um, the what Kobe's exactly? I don't really know. That's really hard because I like the snakeskin ones. The snakeskin Kobe's. I don't know what number that is. It's too many. It's too many numbers. I don't know what number that is. But the snakeskin Kobe's, I love those. Um, 
I'd probably say those actually. Them right there, like I can, you can't go wrong with those. Yeah. And I used to have, I used to have a lot of them when I was really young, and I actually gave them away because, like, obviously they couldn't fit me anymore. But I, I'm, I'm mad. I wish I would have kept them because I had some like PEs that he never, um, that um, like they would give to like the NBA teams that they had, you know, they passed some stuff down to my dad and you know gave some stuff to me, and I had some PEs that I had, um, that were too big. And we actually kind of just gave them away, but I wish I would have kept them. But it's too late now. All right, I got a, I got a couple questions for you, Justin. The first one, I don't know how often you get asked this question, but I mean, you've been playing basketball your whole life. Is there any teammate that you've ever had that you just that like that's the guy you've always wanted your team? Maybe the, your favorite teammate you've ever had. It could be when you were five years old. It could be today. Has there been anybody in your whole life playing basketball that you go I if I have any teammate that I get to pick to be on my team I want him oh um there's a couple there's a couple um Bryce Cook is a kid named Bryce Cook from um um back in Dallas he actually um um he his basketball career was actually cut short due to a um you know he had a major stroke um senior year of high school um, kind of cut his basketball career short. He was committed to uh, SMU to play. Um, never really got to see a, um, you know, a college basketball court, college atmosphere. And so, you know, always praying for him. You know, that's my guy. But um, Bryce Cook for sure. He just brought for the um, Keyshawn. Think of Keyshawn, but shorter. Think of Keyshawn, but shorter. That's exactly who he was. And um, you know, he could really, he could really shoot it. He could really pass it. He really, you know, got his teammates involved. Could really defend. Um, you know, that's my guy. I love him to death. Um, every time I step out on the court with him, I just knew we would win. Like when it came down to it, if we need a big stop, a big play, I knew he was going, I knew he was going to do it. So for him, for sure. And then uh, Drew Timmy. Um, Y'all know Drew Timmy. Um, you yeah. know, obviously one of the best basketball players in college basketball, you know, for the last couple of years. But um, Drew, I love playing with Drew. I played with Drew um, from eighth grade to uh, my sophomore year. Um, it was always fun playing with him, um, especially off the court. You know, he always liked to joke around. He always loved to have fun. And um, on the court as well, you know, we could obviously throw it to him and he'd get us a bucket anytime we needed one. You know, he just did everything. He just did everything for us. Rebound, block shots, you know, get timely buckets. When we, when we, like if we threw it in there, we knew he was – we knew it was two points. So playing with those two guys was probably like the highlight of my, you know, high school careers because they just made me better. They made me want to come out there and compete every day. So. Those are the two guys that I would say um, I would love to play with. Like, if I could, I would love to play with those two guys, like, right now. So so you, Bryce Cook, and Drew Timmy would be your 3v3 pro-am at, at Rucker Park. You're not losing oh. with those two? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, I, would, then, say, I, would, I, would, I would I would take those guys over, over anybody, for sure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and, then, and then speaking of teammates, you have one of your teammates, one of our co-hosts, Nick here. Uh, out of the, all the walk-ons, all the walk-ons you've ever played with in college basketball, where would you rank Nick? We're going to rank him for two spots. We're going to rank him as a person, and we're going to rank him as a basketball player. Both last. I'm kidding. For those of you that don't know, we call him, we have like these little, you know, Keyshawn, Keyshawn and Big Key actually came up with like these little nicknames where they add like um, uh, Iante or Iano at the end. So I just call Nick, you know, Nick Iante. So 
Um, but I will rank Nick. Ooh, let me see. Like I think about, like I think, I gotta think about the walk-ons I play with, because I can't leave Cam out, and then I had a walk-on at Hawaii. I'm not gonna lie. I've actually gotten close with every, like every walk-on I've been with every team, and I know like not a lot of people do that, but I've actually got to, you know, got close with every walk-on I've been with. So I'd probably say like they're all like one A, one B, one C, because I play with a guy named or uh, Zornad, who who was a walk-on at Hawaii, who um, you know, he introduced me to the island, showed me around, you know, showed me the ropes of uh, everything. So um, definitely got to put him up there. Cam, you know, him last year, you know, being able to uh, get a great relationship with him. And then Nick Yante this year, you know, him coming out here from you know, <laughs> not talking and not shooting the ball at all to, you know, being in practice, joking around and, um, you know, being being who he is. So I'd probably put all the walk-ons I played with 1A, 1B, 1C for real. That's awesome. Love it. I, I would have put him last personally. No, I can't. I can't do that. Nick is Nick is my guy. <laughs> Nick is the guy that I always look at the bench. Like I might I might have did like a defense assignment wrong, or I might have missed a shot. And I know I'll look at Nick and just start laughing because he'll just look at me and be like, "You good, bro? Just keep showing it. You got it." And so I'll just start laughing. I'll be like, "I got you, bro. I got you." So yeah, for sure. For sure. Nah, it's it's always nice to hear the nice things about our boy Nick. I know I was saying put him last, but we we love him. It's all jokes. But to sort of get into uh, questions about the future, do you have any big goals or ambitions that you want to do after college, whether that's playing or something else? Mm, For sure. I mean, you know, everybody's goal when they, you know, when they play basketball, you know, play basketball at the collegiate level is to go play in the NBA. So obviously that's been a goal of mine since I was, uh, you know, since I first knew where the basketball was. So obviously being able to play in the NBA, you know, being able to say, um, you know, I got to experience that. Um, you know, my goal is to be better than my dad. And I know my dad played me in the, in the NBA for a couple of years. And so however many he, however, however many years he played, I want to play more than him. So I can, you know, so I can say I was better than him. So definitely being able to play, you know, um, experience the NBA or, you know, professional anywhere. Um, I would I would love it. And then, um, you know, when it's all said and done, when it's time for me to retire from basketball and I have a family and everything, I want to go. Um, actually, I want to go work at a Nike in Portland, actually. I want to go over there. Um, I love shoes. I mean, you, Nick tells you guys I love tech leases, so I feel like being around that atmosphere would just be fun. Um, you know, I know they have great people over there. My uncle used to work over there, so um, I hear good things about it all the time. So I feel like that would be, um, you know, one thing that I would definitely love to do as soon as I finish out. I think as soon as I finish playing basketball. And maybe maybe we can get some uh, new tech fleece designs out of that. You never know. Hey, you never know. You know, I might come out with something wrong. <laughs> J J Webs take fleece. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I, I, I would buy one and rock one for sure. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, <laughs> but so. to uh, question something that happened recently, you and Nick picked up a big dub on one of the toughest road environments, in my opinion, in college basketball at New Mexico. They had a whiteout. I mean, I was watching on TV. It was loud. It was ruckus. I mean, you see fans putting up the bird before tip off, like. What was playing in that environment like, and how do you prepare yourself for that? And then, what was the party like afterwards? <laughs> playing in actually playing in that environment was actually surreal. So when we got when we got to the gym, people were already. It was like it stood like an hour and a half before you know tip off. There's people already sitting down, you know, watching warm ups. No, it was it was packed 
probably with 30 minutes left to go in our in our warm up. Like it was like you could clearly see it was sold out. And you know, just being able to play in that environment and being able to, you know, uh make tough shots, get big stops and hear and just hear the cloud just go from completely going crazy to just completely quiet. It is it's no better feeling. It's no better feeling than, you know, shutting up 15, 20,000 people. It's no better feeling. And then, you know, the, you know, just afterwards it was just you could just tell because you know we struggled our first two games. You could clearly tell we struggled. Um, you know, guys wasn't playing, wasn't playing very well. But um, you know, I felt like we finally got our groove back to who we are. You know, our identity of who who we had become. You know, our first. You know, during the non-conference, and so I, I think you could see that and that and that win for sure. And I just think it's all the momentum. You know, heading on to you know the rest of conference. And I'm sorry, you asked one more question. I can't remember what the question was. Uh, just, just the party like afterwards in the locker room. Anything fun happen? Anything crazy? Or just on to the next one? Oh uh, no, it's just on to the next one. Like you know, when, when you get wins like that, especially for us and and how we play during the non-conference, we expect you know to get wins like that. So, um, you know, pretty much we just sat in there. You know, we celebrated. You know, the whole trip, whole trip home, and then um, you know, as soon as we landed, it's, it's on to the next. We got a big one on um on Wednesday and another big one on Saturday, and you know, just getting ready for those. I love it. We just did an episode with Peter Funk. He's a dobo at Valpo. And that answer reminded me, uh, he came up with a quote that we were talking about. It's the most important game is the next game. So that just reminded me of that a lot. For sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, If anyone doesn't have any more uh, questions, anything like that, we'll get into our storyline of the week. Uh, Webb, if you don't know, kind of just like to run through, you know, a big story, you know, uh, something coming, coming up or something that just happened. So, uh, Dave will go, Dan will go, and then you can give one if you want. Uh, but go ahead, Dave. So, so I would like to talk about coming up Saturday, January 21st. This impacts Dan a little bit. We got a big Pac-12 battle, UCLA at Arizona. Could have a lot of implications in uh, the Pac-12 standings come tournament time. Obviously, not just two Pac-12 title favorites, but two championship favorites across the nation. And... I don't know if it's the first game that they're playing since the spitting incident that happened, but I know those two teams have a lot of bad blood for anyone who doesn't know. There was a uh, player on UCLA who had spat on a fan at Arizona after they lost and he got a suspension, I believe. So there's definitely a lot of bad blood between these teams. I'm excited to tune in and see what happens because there's big implications with this game. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with mine. Mine's a little bit different. Uh, mine happens to be about a coach, uh, Chris Beard. Uh, if you guys saw what happened to him, he, uh, he had a sexual assault case, and obviously that got led to him getting fired. But I don't know if Nick and Justin know this. This is kind of applied to you two, but he was actually the head coach of UNLV for, I believe, a week, a week and a half before taking the Texas Tech job. So he was at Little Rock and then went to UNLV for like, a week, week and a half, and then decided to go to uh, Texas Tech. I don't. Most most of our listeners probably don't know that because it was so so fast. But uh, I want to talk about Rodney Terry. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's been in the college basketball world for twenty seven years. He is the man who has to take on the job of of now being Texas's interim head coach for either the remainder of the year or whether they're going to hire a replacement. But I just think Texas is in such a unique position right now. Uh, they're obviously a title contender with the talent they have and the experience and the depth they have, but 
you know, you have to trust whether you're going to go with Rodney Terry, who's never been a head coach. He's only been an interim. He was an intern for Rice um, and now Texas, or whether you're going to um, hire somebody else. So I think it's a really unique position, and I'm very interested to see what Texas does with that. And then one thing before Justin goes, I just don't want you to be misquoted. I believe it was a domestic violence, not sexual assault. I just don't want oh, never know. Uh, I, I just don't want you to be misquoted. That's all. Oh, I oh yeah. I, no, you're good. I don't know. All right. Before I go, I just got a question at y'all. Do y'all think that Chris Beard will get another another head coaching job? And and also, do you think that um, Texas will hire a new coach, or do you think they'll stick with the interim coach? I'll uh, start us off. Actually, for one of my uh, sport industry classes, I'm doing a presentation on it this weekend. So I did some uh, research into it. Do I think he'll get another coaching job? Yes. I feel like just because of his skill set as a coach specifically, not talking about character, there will be a program who's willing to overlook that or accept his apology and bring him on just for the talent he brings. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be on the high major level. He might have to go mid-major or low-major, but I do believe if he wants to continue coaching, there will be an opportunity for him. And as far as hiring a new coach, I mean, Coach Terry, as of now, they're doing a good job there, and it's going to be determined, in my opinion, based off how they do. Like, if they win the Big 12 and make a March Madness run, I think it'd be for sure you know, injustful sure. if they don't you know, keep in. But at this point, I you got to think, I mean, they're searching. They're definitely probably poking at some programs who don't want to lose their coach. Like I've seen some reports, nothing official, like Bruce Pearl is going to be in the mix, different guys like that. So I definitely think they're going to look into it, but it really just comes down to how they play. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I would say, I would say kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they're kind of searching, but, but it's, it's kind of early. So, I mean, you can't really, you can't really, not give the interim a chance, you know what I mean? Give, right. get, let him, let him. It is, yeah, it is late. In the, it's kind of late in the year too, for sure. Yep, um, yep, I yep. I wanted to see where you guys' head was at. That's all. Um, yeah. Shout out to my guy, uh, Brandon Chappelle, who uh, coaches over there. You know, he was at UNLV last year. Um, went over there. Um, well, doing a great job with the guys. Well, so, um, Bezo, if you see this, I love you, dog. Um, keep doing what you're doing, and um, we'll for show, we'll for show talk soon. But uh, my story is um. Um, the I mean the Washington State upset at Arizona. I mean, um, so that's a big time win for them. Um, it makes us at UNLV look great because they was able to go into a, a Power Five, um, top five team and um, you know, win that game. So um, credit to them. They played a great game. I actually watched the highlights yesterday, and um, you know, I just don't think Arizona took them seriously. You know, they came out there and Washington State just said like, you know, we have nothing to lose. We're just going to go out here and play hard, and that's what they did. You know, they made shots when they needed to. They got defensive stops when they needed to. And so, you know, credit those guys for going out there and um, getting that big-time win. Yeah, that's a that's a great storyline. I feel like that didn't get enough attention either because it was Tommy Lloyd in his first year and a half at Arizona. It was his first home loss in that arena ever. Right. So that was impressive for sure. Exactly. So to be able to go on the road, especially, and I heard Arizona is a tough environment to go into. I heard it's one of the – one of the hardest ones in the country as well. So for them to be able to go in there and get that big time win, hey, credit to those guys. 
All right, well, um, with that all being said, um, thanks, Webb, for coming on here. Really enjoyed this episode. Super informative, super beneficial for everyone listening. Um, PPP out. Peace. Peace.